So in our last post, we took a look and made a kind of preliminary assessment of the Asbury Revival, as it's uh, become known as. Uh, This event that's taking place in Kentucky um, at this church where there's been, you know, two weeks basically now of kind of nonstop worship and and, and such. And so uh, in the post last time, uh, I intentionally did not really take a position on whether or not I think it is or is not a legitimate move of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and primarily the reason for that is because I, I think it's a little early to tell. I think we have to look for the fruit to see what's going on. I think we should call out things that are unbiblical if there are those things, uh, and there are some concerns in that regard. Um, but on the other hand, um, you know, I again, I don't know that it's it's we have enough information to really know one or the other. I think we have to give it a little bit of time and then we can make an assessment. But in the process of talking about that in the comments, um, um, you know, the question arises, uh, why are we judging this? Why are we judging uh, what uh, I presume on the part of the asker is being seen as uh, a move of God? Why, why are we judging it? Well, um, I mentioned in the post that I think we have a responsibility to test the spirits. Again, uh, you know, John the Apostle writes in his first letter, chapter 4, verse 1, that we're to test the spirits to see whether they're of God. We're supposed to apply discernment, especially in an age that um, was spoken of by Paul, a day that's coming where people would sort of just go after the things that they want to hear and see and all that kind of thing. And so I I thought it would be uh, maybe today just wise to take a few minutes to kind of address the idea of uh, of why judge. Is it okay to judge? I know that we're all familiar with, um, you know, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7, you know, judge not lest you be judged. The measure that you judge with, you'll be measured, you'll be judged by and such. And so there generally is a tendency to think that because Jesus said that, what he meant was we're not supposed to judge at all. Um, but that that is not really at all what is intended by that. Rather, instead, the encouragement is to use proper judgment, not terribly unlike what Jesus said in John 7, uh, verse 24, for example. Don't judge by appearances, but judge with a righteous judgment. So the encouragement is anything but not to judge, but rather to judge rightly or properly. Um, and uh, in uh, even in, in, in Matthew 7, there is this um, idea of the hypocrisy of judging when you're looking at a speck in someone else's eye while there's a log in your own. Um, it's not that you shouldn't apply proper judgment, but that you should do so, well, that you should do so properly. You should make sure you're not doing it hypocritically. Um, you know, um, uh, another example of this would be in First uh, Corinthians 14, where there is the encouragement to let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge to assess, to sort of learn by discriminating what's being said. Um, <clears throat> the, um, the practicing of sound judgment is something that is encouraged in Scripture, because when we judge properly, what we're doing is discriminating against, whether it's doctrines or practices uh, and those kinds of things, that might be harmful uh, to our faith, that might mislead us in some way. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would also suggest that judging is inherent, uh, not judging is inherently impossible. Uh, you are, whether you're agreeing with me or not right now, assessing the things that I'm saying and determining whether or not you're buying into it or not. And this is a good thing. Uh, I would be the first to encourage you to consider what I'm saying and not just take it for granted, but to consider it, to think through, is what I'm saying reasonable? Is it biblical most of all? 
And this, of course, becomes the reason why we practice um, sound judgment. Um, as a matter of fact, if you want, turn with me to Romans um, uh, Romans chapter 16. Um, let me just look at one passage here in particular. Romans 16, down here in verse uh, 17. Notice what Paul says here. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Now, I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses uh, and avoid them. Now, if you've got your Bible open, by the way, this is one of the reasons why I think it's a good idea for you to have your Bible ready when we take these times together. If you have your Bible open, you know, you recognize right there that I totally did not quote that passage properly. Matter of fact, I left a big section out of it when I quoted it. what I just said was, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses and avoid them. And that is generally how we think that passage and the principle underlying it uh, should go. We don't want to we just mark those that are judgmental and avoid them. The passage is not actually speaking at all about those who are judgmental. Judgmental is a very difficult, uh, different thing. If we come toward, uh, for example, the Asbury thing, as we mentioned yesterday, If we come at it with a sort of critical spirit, we're being judgmental without really looking at it properly, that would be a wrong attitude to bring. But rather instead, let me quote the passage as it actually is written here in Romans 16, 17. Listen again, and you'll notice immediately how different it is, uh, what I'm saying here. Now, I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve the Lord. I'm quoting verse 18 now with it. Those uh, who are such do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. The encouragement here is to apply very clear discrimination against doctrine that goes contrary to that which they were taught by the apostles or by Paul himself is probably what he has in mind here, that which they had learned primarily whether from him or uh, whoever it is that planted the church and that kind of thing. In other words, stand on sound doctrine, but turn away from false doctrine and those even who propagate it. Uh, That may sound somewhat unloving, but in the same way that you would not really want to allow a cancer to move freely about the body and infect it, you'd want to get rid of it and put it out and avoid it. In the same way, false doctrine and those who propagate it are are a cancer upon the church. And so we therefore need to apply proper judgment comparing Scripture with Scripture, comparing what, in their case, in their immediate context, what they had been taught doctrinally, and compare what they're now being told by false teachers and put it out, and even put those false teachers out. So you can see here that there is um, a very clear biblical admonition to protect sound doctrine, even to the point of dividing over false doctrine. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, so again, just kind of a minute here to talk to that idea a little bit. There is a huge difference between having a critical spirit, being a judgmental person, where you're just always looking for something wrong and, and you're just, you know, uh, that kind of a, a personality in that. There's a difference between that and taking a, taking a good square look at something that is being taught and determining biblically whether or not that thing is so. And so we apply this to our assessment of anything, whether it's the Asbury Revival or whether you sit in my church and listen to me teach or whether you listen to these podcasts and hear me teach. 
you would want to make sure that you're bringing good, sound, biblical, proper judgment to those things to determine whether or not it's true. And if it is, great, then continue on. If not, then you should avoid it. Uh, and avoid me if I start teaching false doctrine. Uh, I've, uh, I've, I've actually told the church that I serve. Uh, I'm always tentative. I apologize. I said my church. It's actually the Lord's church. We know that. But the church that I pastor, I have told them on a number of occasions over the years that if I ever start teaching something that's off base, they have a responsibility to call me on it. Uh, they don't have to feel like they need permission to do that. If they hear false teaching coming from this from this pulpit, they have a responsibility, not just the right to respond to it, but the responsibility to respond to it, whether it's publicly or whether they pull me aside, but they should not necessarily just at all just sit there and listen to it and not discriminate. They should listen to what the to what I'm saying and compare it to the Word of God. As a matter of fact, that's that's kind of where I'm going to end this um, this brief podcast today. If you want to turn with me to Acts chapter 17, I am really, really indebted uh, to Chuck Missler many years ago. Um, uh, uh, you know, he's 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 with the Lord now. But years ago, when I uh, was introduced to his teaching, there was a phrase, an expression, a statement that he would make. Virtually every single time he taught. I mean, I heard it so many times. That's from Acts 17, chapter 11. I'm going to go ahead and read it here. Um, now, this is where Paul um, and Silas are sent away out of, uh, out of uh, Thessalonica. And in verse 10, it says, Then the, Berea, uh, the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. And those were, these were, of more, uh, were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So as Paul, as was his custom, would go to the synagogues and he would reason from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. These here in Berea uh, immediately listened to what Paul had to say, but they didn't stop there. They didn't just listen to what he said and moved on and just believed it, but they actually checked it against the Word of God. In other words, the Old Testament in this case. And so they would hear what Paul said about Jesus as the Christ as he reasoned with them, and then they would go check it against the Scripture to see whether Paul was teaching accurately, if he was sort of misleading them to believe in Christ. But as, of course, they found that what Paul was saying lined up with Scripture, uh, he became trustworthy to them, they listened to him, and all that kind of thing. So uh, every teacher should recognize that they are under this level of biblical scrutiny. And that is legit. Uh, Every movement that purports to be of the Lord should line up scripturally. And where it doesn't, it should be called out um, and and that kind of thing. And so, uh, so why do we judge? Because the Bible tells us to tells us not to be judgmental, not to have a critical heart and spirit per se, but to judge. Of course we should. Of course we should. And we should always do so with a biblical worldview, with a right heart and attitude, and of course with the glory of God and the truth of God at the heart of it. We want to make sure that we uh, that we can discriminate between truth and error as God has defined it. And so to do that, we simply have to exercise sound judgment. So there you go. Um, just a brief thing, uh, probably for many, that's kind of like, well, duh, yeah, that's that's what we should do. Well, But for those who maybe have never kind of gone down that track and sort of thought, okay, well, what does the Bible really say about that? I thought it would take a few minutes today 
and, uh, and address that. So I hope it's helpful. And I do hope you apply that level of biblical judgment to anything that you are interested in learning about or growing in or, or are hearing somebody teach you, spiritually speaking, so that you're not misled, so that you, in fact, can stand on the truth of God and, uh, and, and be strong against the, the deception that is out there. Remember, Jesus did say, as his primary characteristic that he spoke of in regard to the last days, he said, be sure that no one deceives you. So, exercise sound judgment. Father, we thank you for giving us the faculties to consider um, truth from error and to distinguish and to differentiate. We thank you that you've given us the tools that we need in Scripture, and you've invited us to know you through your word, so that when counterfeits come, so that when deception comes our way, uh, we'll have a biblically informed discernment uh, to to resist those things and to even walk away from them and or to expose them, uh, as we're told in Scripture as well. So, Father, we thank you for so generously and graciously giving us all that we need uh, to stand against, um, um, you know, this, this particular fiery dart of the enemy. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you and praise you for this. And we ask that, Father, we would apply this sound biblical judgment in all of these areas that we've spoken of. So we love you. We thank you. We bless you and praise you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.